Dear Father, it is so good to be in your house. Lord, I thank you that it is your light and your love that has brought us here today. Lord, because this is a good day. It's the day, Lord, when the grave saw the light. So we as the church have come together. And it is that same light, Lord, that is the hope that, that moves us and carries us every single day. So we come, Lord, full of hearts of thanksgiving and thankfulness for the light, Lord, that you have imparted. And you continue to impart that light and you have made us that light and we are your instruments of light into this world. So what an honor for us, Lord, to possess and to be able to share your light today. We thank you. As we turn and we look upon ourselves, we continue to ask, Lord, for forgiveness, for your hand of healing, for your molding into our lives. And to thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness that we have in Christ Jesus in advance. We thank you for the provision that you give. As we return a portion of that which you have given to us, Lord, may it be used in a way, Lord, that glorifies you for sustaining and advancing the kingdom of God here on earth. Lord, at this time, prepare our hearts. Lord, bring your light. Let your Holy Spirit and the truth that comes from above affect our minds, affect our eyes, our ears, and all that we are. For Lord Jesus, we expect you to continually baptize us with fire so there'll be less of us and more of you. There'll be less of the world and more of your kingdom. So we thank you, Lord, for your holy word. Open it to our eyes and to our minds and our hearts today through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're glad that you are here with us today. Um, thank you for uh, being along with us for this worship day of the Lord. Um, I'm going to be speaking today about a touchy subject that's been touchy and cyclical in the world's history for many reasons, but the subject that we speak about is not the subject at large, it's just that we have accentuated this subject in today's day and age, including the church, to be quite popular. Now, because of the location that you live in, this subject is very different when one has to preach it. If I have to preach this message in Europe and in United States and Canada, it will be extremely different than if I have to preach it in South America, in Africa, in Asia, in Eastern Europe, and most places, other places around the world. And this is because in the West, we have come to the godification of self. And we have produced an individualistic society. 
So there's a lens of individualism that has affected our minds and in how we analyze and view things. There's also certain things from every culture and every educational institution that will affect us. And we have to be aware of that because we who are in the kingdom know that Jesus prayed for you and I. And he said, Father, sanctify them in truth. And then he tells us what truth is. Your word is truth. Jesus has his truth, but he's also the living word. Right? So as we move through this text, uh, I am so glad that it has happened in the world's history when it had and where it is for us to be aware of the implications that it brings to us and to God's design. So we will, because I'll be reading quite a bit, there's no Bible reading, uh, scripture reading this time together. So we turn to uh, Numbers 26. And uh, actually, 26.33, which I'm glad that happens prior to the passage that we have. 26, uh, 36.33, 26.33 says, Now Zelophehad had the son of Hefer, had no sons but daughters. And the names of the daughters of Zelophehad were Mahla, Noah, Hogla, Milka and Tirzah. This comes from the clans of Manasseh. And therefore, we notice that this is the clan of the Nephorites. Making Nefer, what? A head of a clan. So this is a very important setting for us. Now as we draw to our text in verse 27.1, we, we come to our story, and this is mentioned again. Then drew near the daughters of Zelophehad, the sons of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Machir, son of Manasseh, from the clans of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. The names of his daughters were Machla, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tirzah. And you say, well... This is all nice and dandy, but why is this important? I venture you to go do research. Because at this time in the world's history, no woman owned property or anything. No woman owned property or anything. I mean zilch. Very interesting how defined it tells us this lineage and how it's portrayed to us on purpose, giving us the details with the instructions for property and land. And some of you may say, hey, you know what? Don't come in between my wife and her possessions. And you'll say, okay, maybe this is a, that's not what this is about, but you can joke about that. Uh, nonetheless, here we see such a healthy 
um, beautiful example that goes a lot deeper than what meets the eye. Let's, uh, let's look for a little bit at, uh, at the names. First, I want to say Noah. Is that a boy's name or a girl's name? See, apparently, if you speak English, you're handicapped. In Hebrew, in English, we cannot translate. So this is Noah versus Noach. Who versus You're laughing, but it's a very big difference. Because a consonant takes the name in a different family of words in Hebrew. In Hebrew, you only have a family of 3,000 plus words or something like that. And it's based on three consonants. And you have families of words that develop from those roots. So, yes, there is a difference and it's not the same name. Now, you know, I know Chris wouldn't like me that. But this is, this is it comes with the territory. You know, some things... We do our best to translate, and we don't have that sound and letter to translate it, so we do the best that we can. It is not the same name. But what's even more interesting about those names is what they mean. Mahla means disease or sickness. Noah means rest. Hogla. I wrote too small. I can't see that one. Oh, my goodness. Boxer. Okay, means boxer, yes. Milka means counselor, and Tirza means pleasantness. And I have formed this thing in my mind, uh, looking at these words, as what happens when you get sick? You rest. You separate yourself. You get help and counsel until you come to a place where life is pleasant again. And I'm like, wow. How can that, this name develop into that string when disease actually hits you? Do you need comfort when you're sick? Yes. Do you need to separate yourself when you're sick? You need to be revived, yeah? Do you want your life to come back to a pleasant place? As you can see, there's five areas here that, uh, you know, are portrayed in the name of the five daughters. You will think, what kind of a parent would name their daughters like this? Uh, You know, but uh, obviously, the Lord had a plan in all of this uh, to teach us something. And here's the beautiful aspect. It says, and they stood before Moses. And before Eleazar, the priest, and before the chiefs, and all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting. What does this mean? These daughters... Showed what? Visible. 
clear appearance, submission, and communication. Let me ask you, is this godly or not? Is this how we, and this is not just women, is this how we communicate? Within the design, before everyone, before God and whoever he is, in the open, without gossip, without anything in the back, We would be expecting, well, maybe the women can start gossiping and spread their stories to all the women within the camp of Israel. And maybe they can get popularity to get something across to be done. Is this what they did? No. So I'm looking already here and I say, wow, I like those women. Maybe I should have married one of them. I'm just kidding. I wasn't around there. Submission, respect, covering courage, confrontation, cooperation, and compliance. All of those things that I see that blow me away from what they have done. Let's see how those are being depicted in the story. Why are they before the tent of meeting? They have reason to approach God. Why are they before Moses and the high priest and the chiefs? They are in compliance and respecting the design. What is the question that's being raised? Is it the status of women in their midst? And that's what the world will want to tell you. Now, yes, that inadvertently becomes to be one of the issues. But we will come to see how that's not the case. It is a result of this, but it's not the case. Are, how do they start? Please look. What is the first word that they say? Our Father... Who is the subject? Our Father. What has the Father received from God? A promise of inheritance and land. Immediately they're coming under the covering of whom? The Word of God and their Father. Yeah, the chiefs are there, obviously. But they have a covering. But it all started because God promised inheritance. They're coming under God's word. Hmm. That's huge. He was not among the company of those who gathered themselves together against the Lord in the company of Korah. These are the people who said, why do we need Aaron and Moses? We can be priests just like you. 
and they got I don't know if you've seen when a bomb explodes and everything gets pulverized. It was just fine ashes what was left of them from this tremendous fire from their sensors that burned them. And the earth opened up and took, take, has taken alive everything that they owned. So they're saying, our father was not a rebellious guy, but he was just like you and I, a sinner. But died for his own sin and he had no sons. How many of you can say, oh, we have no sin? So they said, yes, my father was not rebellious, but he was no saint. Into the way are not even a saint, because saints have sinned too, but he was not perfect. But the father was pretty high up. He's a chief, he's a head of a clan with his brother. So it's it's pretty important. Now the story begins with he had no sons. What does that mean? <laughs> he had no sons, but were here. He had no sons, but we have heard what the Lord said. He had no sons, but you can divide us from who we are as a community, as a family. We are hurt because we don't think that way in our individualistic society. You can't take them apart. And you will see later on that they care not only that they get land, but that that land doesn't transfer from that which is allotted to the entire clan and to the entire tribe to which they belonged. Because their identity does not depart from the whole. Rude awakening to the Christians today who ought to be better than them because we say we're Christians but many times we have no identity within the body of Christ. And we don't identify ourselves with the body. We constantly hurt ourselves by thinking about us in an individualistic way. Why should the name of our father be taken away from his clan because he had no son? Give us a possession among our, frother, our father's brothers. Hmm. Let's move to the next slide. Moses brought their case before the Lord. There's a great danger for us 
who study Hebrew, who study Greek, to reintroduce the Hebrew and the Greek law within the church. There's a great danger for us to become legalistic and to become very opinionated in certain ways when the Lord teaches us what? Take the matter before the Lord. Why? Because it was the Lord who promised the inheritance. The Lord took the census, put it to us to show, hey, there's no one who can inherit from this guy. Do you think this was not going to come up? Do you think this is blindsiding our Lord? You can see that it was done on purpose with great detail before anything like this was ever known in the world. And I look at scholars who say, oh, you know, all religions, they're bigots and they're... I, I, I don't want to go talk in that direction now. And the Lord said to Moses, what did the Lord say to Moses? The daughters of whom? Zelophehad. He, he speaks of Zelophehad as though he's not dead. As he still is the covering. All right. Don't take this lightly. There is none who is righteous. How can God say they're right? Because look what they've done. We've respected the design. We're part of this God's body. And we're coming back to God with what he said. We're simply speaking back what God has said. God listens as well. They're a vessel of my promise. They are right. I tell you, it's a joy when I get approached by people that way. It doesn't happen very often when people come to me with issues or for counseling. They're not always a vessel of God's word. Usually something else fills the pot. Look here what the Lord is doing. He's giving an example to all of us, including the ladies. And the decision is going to be made, and they're fine with the decision, but they are a vessel of God's promise and His word. They're in compliance. What a beautiful aspect of emptying that vessel of your heart. Where you and I can be associated with something like this. Who is the greatest man besides Jesus to have ever lived? John the Baptist. Don't, don't be afraid to say it. John aloud. 
I told you before, use this against the Catholics who tell you that Mary is the best one. And uh, you tell them, oh, tell them, give them that passage and send them to their priest. And their priest will say, yeah, yeah, John the Baptist is greater. And then they'll ask the priest, well, how come you say Mary is greater? And they will have no answer. So there you have a point where you can begin the conversation with them. But nonetheless, here it is. When John is asked, who are you? I am a voice crying out in the wilderness. The daughters of Zelophehad, they're an echo. My dad heard this. We're one with my dad. We've cleansed ourselves and God's word is bouncing back up to you. What are you going to do with it? We want to stand in that promise that God made. What a beautiful picture of women's ministry. Wow. They're right. Because they're speaking God. You shall give them the possession. Notice... What the Lord is doing to them. He doesn't say, okay, give it to them. He says, you. He's respecting the design. That's Moses. That's Eleazar is there. That's the chiefs. You shall do it. You need to be implicated in this reality. You know what we do in individualistic? Well, we have the men's ministry, we have the women's ministry, we have children, we have youth, everything. And they kind of float independently and they do things. And, and we see here the design of God that says, no. Yes, I may allow it, but it has to go through you. It has to go through Moses, it has to go through the high priest, it has to go through the chiefs. Not just that. And you shall speak to the people of Israel saying. What does this mean? These women are bringing a blessing to the entire nation. This is what happens when you and I. Cleanse our vessel of things from the world or our own thinking. And the word of God runs purely in it. It is in our nature to try to add, to subtract, to sugarcoat, to twist, to do all sorts of things. It reminds me of Jonah. Did he want Nineveh to repent? He said, as little as possible, as quickly as possible, and got out to see them be destroyed. But he was a vessel of God's word. Please notice, it is strange that this is the first ministry aspect that's being shown to us from outside of the Levitical arena in the Old Testament. 
Now you shall speak to the people of Israel, if a man dies and has no son, they shall transfer his inheritance to his daughter. And if he has no daughter, then you shall give his inheritance to his brothers. And if he has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his father's brothers. And if his father has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to the nearest kinsman of his clan, and he shall possess it, and it shall be for the people of Israel a statue and a rule as the Lord commanded Moses. This ends up being a blessing to the entire community. Now let me ask you this. Did God design this just for the women? We're even individualistic in approach to say, this is a feminist movement here and that's what God. The Lord is bringing back to the entire Community. The moment we begin to divide ourselves that way, we have to be careful about the design and what we're doing. What keeps us together? The purity of God's word and how we are a vessel of it. If that's the case, the ministry will be blessed beyond what you can imagine. If you see a ministry not blessed, begin to look at the design. And I guarantee you, you will find things altered, either in the design or within God's promise and word. Now, chapter 36, this is historical now. It continues from righteous women coming before God. The heads of the father's houses of the clan of the people of Gilead, the son of Machir, son of Manasseh, from the clans of the people of Joseph, came near and spoke before Moses and before the chiefs, the heads of the father's houses of the people of Israel. They said, The Lord commanded my Lord to give the land for inheritance by law to the people of Israel. This is what they were recounting, the daughters. And my Lord was commanded by the Lord to give the inheritance of Zelophehad, our, our brother, to his daughters. If they had married to any of the sons of the other tribes of the people of Israel, then their inheritance would be taken from their inheritance of our fathers and added to the inheritance of the tribe into which they marry. So it will be taken away from the lot of our inheritance. And when the jubilee of the people of Israel comes, then their inheritance will be added to the inheritance of the tribe into which they married, and their inheritance will be taken from the inheritance of the tribe of our fathers." And Moses commanded the people of Israel according to the word of the Lord, saying, The tribe of the people of Joseph is right, that this is, the Lord, this is what the Lord commands concerning the daughters of Zelophehad. Let them marry whom they think best. Freedom. Only they shall marry within the clan of the tribe of their father. 
The inheritance of the people of Israel shall not be transferred from one tribe to another, for every one of the people of Israel shall hold to the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. And every daughter who possesses an inheritance is any tribe of the people of Israel shall be wife to one of the clans of the tribe of the father, so, so that every one of the people of Israel may possess the inheritance of his fathers. Does that mean that God allows gold digging? Is this a platform for gold diggers? In a way, yes. He says, if you want to have property within your clan, you can't really marry for love if you love some guy in a different clan. You have to marry within your own clan. It comes with a cost. And they were free to choose. Do you want to marry someone and go under their land over there with that clan if it's from a different tribe? Or if you want this possession, which will stay with the clan, which now shows that it belongs to the entire tribe, not particularly just to them alone, you will have to marry within here. It shows that there is instruction along the way. Do you think ministries within the church like instruction? Wait till you're a pastor and you have to deal with women's ministry. And you have to give them instructions, how they, much they like the instructions. There's freedom, but there's a cost, there's a design of God, and you have to be within that mold. There's no freedom outside of God's design and mold. Hmm. But if they marry any of the sons of the other tribes of the people of Israel, then their inheritance will be taken from the inheritance of our fathers and added to the inheritance of the tribe in which they marry. So it will be taken away from the lot of our inheritance. And when the jubilee of the people of Israel comes, then their inheritance shall be added to the inheritance of the tribe into which they marry. And their inheritance will be taken from the inheritance of the tribe of our fathers. What has happened here is that the daughters... Let's move to the next slide. I'm not going to keep reading because there's a lot. It says here, they married into the clans of the people of Manasseh. So yes. One may say, well, they chose gold digging. They preferred that. But wait, we teach in an individualistic society, you marry for love. Do you know what the unchristian world that's communal teaches their daughters from a young age? You marry to improve your situation. That's about three-fourths of the world, people. From little daughters, that's what they're taught. You're going to get married to literally improve your situation. 
So don't be surprised in individualistic society. You have gold diggers. Even within the fallen communal societies, it's present. And it's present so much that the parents do it. And when they arrange marriage, is according to social status and how much they have. When you go to India, when you go to China, you won't see a wealthy with a poor being spoken by their parents to get married. They look at what they have. They look at the bank accounts. Wow, really? Yeah. They measure up how much they're going to give. It's already pre-known. We're so off and so blind by the little part of our selfish world. And God says they were right because they escaped that and they came and they attached themselves to my word and promise. Now you know why they're right. Not because they had no sin. Not because they brought anything out of their own. But because they stood on God's word. Now after that you may say, well, look at them. Five out of five, they married within the clan. Now you may accuse them whatever you want, but still, that's not the case. That's only a Something that you may suppose or think about, but that's not necessarily the reality. And guess what? We read about them today. Let me turn to Galatians 3. Galatians 3. What are the ladies really speaking about here? Land, property, where? In the promised land. What is the promised land for us as Christians? Heaven. Eternal life. Eternal life. Galatians 3. I'll read with verse 23 says. Now before faith came. We were held captive under the law. Imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came. In order that we might be justified by faith. What does it mean to be justified by faith? To be saved. Yeah, justified by faith. The context is salvation from the yoke of the law that keeps the sinner into the arena of death. The law, guess what? It's perfect, but it does what? Incriminates, incriminates every sinner. So now we're justified by faith in Christ. The salvation is the context here. But now that faith has come. We are no longer under. For in Christ Jesus, we are all sons of God through faith. For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female for you are all 
one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs to the promise. That's the father of our faith. But notice, are there still Jews and Greeks today? Slaves and free? Unfortunately, yes. It doesn't say that that's eliminated. Are there still males and females? Yes. The context is salvation, and not just salvation, but in, in Christ. Why is this such a powerful story? The daughters lived in reality the promise of Christ prior to Christ's coming. They are right. Because they spoke in Christ. Imagine the beauty of when peace comes to you because Christ is your covering. If you don't have Christ as your covering, you'll be poisoned by the world. Confusing status with function. How come the daughters didn't come and say, we want those positions right here with the chiefs on the seats next to you, Moses? Did they ask for that? No. It was not. There was nothing about function ever mentioned. Hey, my dad was a big shot in the clan. Who's going to take his seat on the council? They forgot to mention that part. No, they didn't. They were in the compliance with the design. Lies. Every nation where Christianity has went has liberated the status of women. The world now is trying to confuse status and function to break the design. This is this passage clearly is on salvation and in Christ in Galatians. The exegesis is very plain, the context is very simple. The ideology that you learn in schools, the things that individualism has brought to you has distorted us to confuse the design of God. Speaking about design, Moses, let's go back to, let's go to the next slide. I'm going to read this quickly and we'll end with this. The Lord said to Moses, go up into the mountain of Abarim and see the land that I have given to the people of Israel. And when you have seen it, you also shall be gathered to your people. Moses, how great he was. He was not apart from his own people. Our God is a God of the community, not emphasizing the individual, even though he was a great man. Moses. 
When you have seen it, it shall also be gathered to your people, as your brother Aaron was, because you rebelled against my word in the wilderness of Zen when the congregation quarreled, failing to uphold me as holy of the waters before their eyes. Let's move to the next slide. Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may be as sheep, may, may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. At the end of everything that Moses has done, putting his own life on the line for the people, dealing with everything he did, trained by the Lord to be alone with goats and sheep for years in the desert. This is the Holy Spirit crying and crying for the ministry of our Lord Jesus. This is, this is what he's saying. Without a shepherd, we are like sheep that go astray. We need the shepherd's covering. This is what he's seeing about the people. And he's praying for the people. Yes, we may be looking for a pastor. For the youth, for worship. Is prayer more important or is the search committee more important? Do you want to choose or do you want to pray and ask the Lord to give you someone? But we have search committees. We have guidelines. We, we're replacing a lot of things. And we are pretty proud of how good of a job we can do too. You should know. If God sends that person, you will know. Because they're able to, go, to lead you. If not, you'll have trouble. But God was able to affect the entire Israel through five women who had no position. They affected the entire community from behind the scenes. Beautiful for all of us to see. We need Jesus. And we need to take to heart the examples of those women. But if you're one of those ladies that has been affected by the current trend, by the things that, that schools say it, by the things that churches begin to do, I want to ask you that you come to that place of peace, that Jesus, that you clothe Jesus and Jesus is your covering. And all of us, regardless of who we are, we're the same. 
whether male or female. But the biggest lesson here is how much can I empty myself to be a pure vessel of God's word and his truth and his promise. Do you know that the gospel has been spoiled with every culture that it goes through? Do you know there's a reason why God said to the missionaries, no, don't go into Asia. There's a certain path that God has taken, if you look over centuries, and how to do, because the gospel can be distorted, and the enemy wants to distort the gospel. This individualistic place, the spirit of the Antichrist, will come to a place where man will declare himself God in the assembly. Let alone have ministries that go astray that have nothing to do with God in the name of God. In the last days, there will be a great deception. And it's ravaging all areas of culture and church and state and everything. Today, we have learned a valuable lesson of how much the Lord loved us. said, Father, sanctify them. He prayed for us. He knew that we're no different. Sanctify them. In truth, your word is truth. To call us. To take joy into the relationship that we have with Jesus as our covering, as our Lord. Because Jesus is now our inheritance. When we begin to go off the deep end, say, well, the pastor, he must be weird or a racist or a chauvinist. He doesn't do this. When he doesn't respond to my request, when we don't realize they were offending Jesus because he desires to be your inheritance. If you truly have Jesus as your inheritance, do you think you'll have peace and harmony in your life? Do you need anything more than that? It's to our shame that the things are happening in the church that are happening. Is to our shame of what we're doing to our Lord and Savior who has justified us. And you know, people, when they do that, they're misinformed, they have lenses. They, some of them do it with an honest heart. They don't even realize what they're doing, that they're actually offending Jesus himself. Because I'm looking forward to the marriage feast. I'm looking forward for that day. I'm looking forward when there's no more pain, no more suffering. I'm looking forward to get the inheritance that won't go down if the stocks go down.
today where they're slave. Is Christianity against slavery? No. But you and I can have a lot more than slavery because we have Jesus as our inheritance. Christianity promotes slavery? No. Promotes men? No. Promotes women? No. Christ. Notice Paul says, I want to know nothing among you. And then we speak about the cross except Jesus and him crucified. But notice what he says. I don't want to know about Ed. I want to know about Jesus in Ed. And I don't want to know about Christina, but I want to know about Jesus in Christina. And Holly, not about Holly, but about Jesus in Holly. Imagine if that's the body that we are and you're part of it. And you come to church and I say, well, I see Jesus in Jerry. Alicia looks very different, but man, Jesus is in her too. And that's what's coming out. We're very good at differentiating one another and making ourselves look different. We even look for clothes that other people don't have. But guess what? If you came to church today, I hope that you clothe yourself with Christ and that you are at peace and harmony because you're in Him. And that's why everybody loves you because that love has touched you and moves forward through you. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, this is a tough subject. And Lord, we thank you that you have given us an example that we don't really understand that well today. But in Christ Jesus, we begin to get a glimpse of it. Lord, today you have convicted us. Are we at peace with you, Jesus, being our inheritance? With you, Jesus, bringing our status as heirs? With harmony and peace ruling our souls? Lord, today, we reject the culture. We reject the teaching of this world, the pollution. And we come alongside our Lord Jesus and we pray, Father, sanctify us in truth. Lord, and I pray for the people here in this church that you will cleanse the vessels, that they will be Beautiful vessels with the purity of your word. Nothing more and nothing less. All towards your glory and yours alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.